Good morning. Uh, my um, scripture text this morning uh, is found in First Timothy chapter four, and uh, the title of my message is "The Dangers of Being a Pastor." So uh, let me read First Timothy four, beginning with verse six. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. Until I come... Devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. And do not neglect the gift you have, which has been given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid hands upon you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will both save yourself and your hearers. Now, I mentioned the fact that the title of my message is The Dangers of Being a Pastor. And while one would not normally think of the pastoral ministry as a high-risk job, especially in the United States, I I do remember, however, reading um, uh, a story about a pastor many years ago went to his office on uh, Saturday night, which, which a lot of us have, just to kind of put the finishing touches on for Sunday. Uh, he thought he was alone in the building. Uh, unbeknown to him, he, the church organist was also there, wanted to do sort of a late night practice. And the wall just behind the unsuspecting pastor's desk was the same wall on the other side, on which or to which the organ speakers were attached. Now, the organist was not aware that some practical joker had set the volume button on maximum. And so when she laid into her first note, the explosion of sound shook the building so much it sounded like a freight train. And unfortunately, the startled pastor died of a heart attack. Now, recognizing that such hazards do not often happen in pastoral ministry and that the average pastor doesn't need flight pay. Still, I maintain there's tremendous dangers inherent in the calling which few church members and fewer pastors recognize, almost until it's too late. Now, these dangers have contributed to the amazing statistic that that only one out of every 10 pastors who begin in ministry actually complete the ministry. Now, I've been in ministry 
as a pastor now for 48 years, and I've experienced some of these dangers. And since next week will be Andrew and Veronica's first Sunday, not first Sunday, but sort of first official Sunday in the pulpit, installation Sunday, all of that, I thought it would be wise to bring some of these dangers to your attention so that you could be praying specifically for them <clears throat> as well as for others on the staff and others in pastoral ministry that you might know. The first danger I want to address is the danger of trying to meet everyone's expectation. Very few vocations come with as many expectations as does the pastoral ministry. The pastor is expected to be a good teacher, good preacher, a good administrator, good PR man, a good fundraiser, great with teenagers, great with little kids, great with older adults, um, a good visitor in the hospital, expert in theology and, and the original languages, good in missions, a great husband or spouse, a great parent, just to name a few things. Now, it's, it's fairly obvious that no human being can do all of these things well. And yet many pastors have been taken to task for not measuring up in some people's minds. You may have heard of Jonathan Edwards, but he was a pastor in Northampton, Massachusetts, from 1727 to 1750. Actually, the same town I was in, although a few years earlier. He was a gifted preacher and theologian, a leader in the revival that swept the New England and middle colonies called the Great Awakening. He spent 13 hours a day in study, but many in his church were, were not satisfied because he did not visit enough. He did not attend enough town functions. There are also certain crises in the church that some felt Edwards really did not manage well. Now Edwards and his wife Sarah had 11 children, all of whom survived. And this embittered some people who could not have as many children and did not have as many children survive. And so they were jealous. Now, in addition, six of Edward's kids were born on a Sunday, and there was a stigma against this, so much so that some ministers would not baptize infants that were born on Sundays. The reason why is it was thought back then that conception occurred on the same day of the week as one's birth. And therefore, the highly regarded Sabbath was not an appropriate day for such activity. So people had all kinds of issues based upon expectations, dissatisfactions. All of these things began to mount. And after 25 years of fruitful ministry, he was asked to resign in 1750. Well, Paul told Timothy, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid hands upon you. 
I think the best advice for any pastor is to faithfully function in his area of gifting and to be the person that God called him to be when he called him in the ministry. Now, practically applied, this means that the pastor should have a job description and one that fits his calling and his gifting. And that he'd be encouraged to gather a, a team of people around him who have different gifts in areas perhaps that he doesn't to form a team. And therefore, it's very important as a congregation that you evaluate your pastor on the basis of what he has been called to do and not what you wish him to do or be. Andrew Watkins is not Pastor Frank. He is not a John Piper. He's not John Stott. He's not a Francis Chan. He is Andrew Watkins, gifted, called by the Holy Spirit to be your shepherd. Allow him to be who he is and pray that he grows and develops as the man God has chosen to be the pastor at Bethlehem Community Church. The second danger I want to address is the danger of feeding others at the expense of nourishing your own soul. The primary calling of the pastor is to be about the business of teaching God's word to his people and praying that they grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if not careful, there is the danger that the task of teaching others might displace the time spent in the word and in prayer in order to grow one's own soul. Henry Martin was not a pastor, but he was a missionary, full-time missionary to India in the 19th century. And he said, I see how great are the temptations of a missionary to neglect his own soul. Apparently outwardly employed for God, my heart has been growing more hard and proud. Let me be taught that the first great business on earth is the sanctification of my own soul. So shall I be rendered more capable also of performing the duties of the ministry in a holy and solemn manner. Martin Luther, the great German reformer of the 16th century, once wrote to his barber, Peter Beskendorf, who had asked him some questions about prayer. Here's a portion of Luther's response. It's a good thing to let prayer be the first business of the morning and the last at night. Guard yourself carefully against those false, deluding ideas which tell you, wait a little while, I'll pray for an hour. First I must attend to this or that. Now such thoughts get you away from prayer into other affairs which so hold your attention and involve you that nothing comes of prayer for that day. And so Paul tells Timothy, train or exercise yourself for godliness 
Also, keep a close watch on yourself and your teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. The pastor must feed himself on the Word of God and practice what he preaches. God's Word must be applied to his own heart and life, his own relationship, his own family, if he's to faithfully apply it to his own people. How can I tell others what I am unwilling to hear or do? How can I lead others on the path of discipleship that I'm not willing to tread myself? Like we're told before every flight on an airplane, put the oxygen mask on ourselves first and then tend to the little ones that you love. Is that selfishness? No, it's survival. Pray that Andrew will not succumb to the danger of tending to you and ignoring his own soul. Ask him how he's doing spiritually. What he's learning from God's word. The ways in which he's experienced growth in his own discipleship. A spiritually healthy and robust church cannot be created or led by a hard-working pastor who is spiritually anemic and undernourished. It is in your best interest that he is and remains a diligent student of God's word, caring for his own soul, for then he'll be around long enough to take care of you. Another danger is the danger of the pastor not receiving pastoral care. This may sound strange, but give me a minute. Now, the pastor's in a very unique position. He's in a position of inherited authority and is automatically placed upon some kind of pedestal in the minds of some in the congregation. He's used to being quoted. Usually what he says is the final word on most subjects. Sometimes the larger the church is, the bigger the pastor's influence, and the bigger the pastor's influence, sometimes the bigger his ego grows. Now, everybody knows he's not perfect, but few people view him with flaws, mainly because they don't want to see their pastor that way. Who wants an imperfect pastor anyway? constant pedestal of deference and respect coupled with this, this, this functional anonymity of the pulpit. The fact that few people really know the pastor and can speak into his life. Create a situation where self-deception can breed. And this is especially dangerous because it seems that the pastor is often the only person in the church who does not benefit from the pastoral care he works so hard to give everyone else. So who pastors the pastor? Who continues to mentor him? Who speaks into his life? The writer of, of Hebrews warns all believers 
pastors included, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil and unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. The body of Christ has been designed to protect, to encourage, to warn, to restore us on our spiritual journey so that we do not become self-deceived and hardened by indwelling sin. And if every pastor is on the same journey of discipleship as every member of his congregation, then there's something terribly wrong when a church allows its pastor to live basically anonymously and independently with no one to speak into his life. Brothers and sisters, I confide in you that every pastor must daily admit to himself that he's basically a mess and in daily need of God's forgiveness and transforming grace. He must carry about the spirit of Martin Luther's sacristy prayer. Use me as an instrument in thy service, Luther said. Only do not thou forsake me, for if I am left to myself, I will bring it all to destruction. Every pastor must be constantly preaching the gospel to himself and most fundamentally believe that what he needs most can be found only in Jesus Christ. He cannot find his identity in his own importance in the size of his congregation, how much he is sought for to be a conference speaker. He can only find his identity in Jesus Christ. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. Frame means merit or accomplishment of my own, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And so pray for Andrew that this would be the cry of his pastor's heart, that he would build and maintain a system of spiritual care for himself made up of accountability and mentoring by people who love him unconditionally and have permission to speak into his life. And pray that he'll be driven by the Holy Spirit to seek every means available for his own growth and development, not just yours, but his and to make sure that he holds firm his confession all the way to the end. Well, there's one more danger that I want to address, and it's called the danger of a pastor losing his joy in ministry. Paul David Tripp writes to pastors and says, this is where it inevitably leads you lost sight of the gospel in your personal life. You feel a growing disconnect between your private life and your public ministry persona. Your ministry is no longer fueled by your own worship. You feel misunderstood by the people around you. You feel misunderstood by the people around you. 
and you are increasingly spiritually empty because you're looking for spiritual life where it cannot be found. The impact of all these things taken together is that you find a ministry less and less a privilege and a joy and more and more a burden and a duty. Pastoral ministry is tough and tiring. And sometimes you just need a break from constantly feeling like you're a snack machine that people can deposit their money into, push a button, and get what they want. In addition, you're always on late night calls, hospital visits, deathbed vigils, the marital interventions, the going with a husband to identify his wife's body, and then going home with him while he tells his five little children that mom's not coming home. I could go on and on with situations that have happened to me in my own ministry, but, but let me include one humorous one. One evening, <clears throat> I had to show up a little late, actually, uh, for one of my son's uh, important basketball games because I had an elders meeting, but I arrived in the second quarter of the game. My wife had saved me a seat. This is a very important game against a crosstown arch rival. We sat right in back of another couple from our church. Now, I greeted them and then got right down to watching the game. My wife will tell you that when I focus on a game, I do not talk to anybody. Well, after about 10 minutes, the man from my church turned to me and said, Hey, Dave, since I have you, can you explain the difference between Calvinism and Arminianism? That's a humor example of always being on. By the way, I said, Brother, can we talk about it later? And he was fine. Now, all of this is to say that pastoral ministry is often wearying and difficult, but, but don't feel sorry for us <clears throat> because that's what we're called to do. I wouldn't want to do what you do. Give us some vacation time, some study leave. We'll rest, recoup, be good as new. I always came back from vacations excited to get going in ministry again. However, there are some pastors who do not want to come back at all. They have come to see ministry as a burden. They have lost the joy of serving their congregation and the vision of seeing what their congregation can become in Christ. They no longer resonate with what Paul tells Timothy. For this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Pray that Andrew would never lose his joy for ministry. Never lose his, his joy to serve you or his vision and hope of what you can become in Christ. And pray also that he would never lose sight of the gospel in private life. That his ministry would always be fueled by worship that he would love his wife as Christ loved the church, that he would spend time with his kids so that they would never grow up being jealous of the church and that he would take time off for rest and refreshment. Now someday, Andrew may decide to leave Bethlehem Community Church, but never let it be because he lost the joy 
of pastoral ministry. Do you know, I preached this similar sermon on the dangers of being a pastor many years ago at an installation service for a friend in Massachusetts. In fact, I still carry with me the bulletin for this service. Just a few years later, this man divorced his wife, left his church in the ministry. It's a present reminder to me of how serious is the business that we are about today. The seeds of destruction were already in this man's ministry, hidden, secreted away from public view. Now, I'm completely convinced of better things with Andrew, but I'm equally convinced of the dangers that every pastor faces and that we are in desperate need of the grace of God and the prayers of our people lest we are left to ourselves and bring it all to destruction. Let's pray. Father, I, I ask that you will be with this new Pastor Andrew and this beloved congregation. And I pray that you would create such a chemistry between these two entities that there would be this amazing ability that they have to glorify God just by being together. Bless them, protect them, watch over them, use them for the sake of the gospel, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, I'm Jeff Eckstein, one of the pastors here at Bethlehem Community Church. Welcome to our Sunday podcast, coming to you from the town of Bethlehem in upstate New York in the USA. Bethlehem Community Church is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-based evangelical church that includes people with backgrounds from many denominations. We believe that it is only through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can come into a personal relationship with God. We are people truly seeking a deeper intimacy with God and with one another. If you'd like to know more about our church, please visit our website at www.bccdelmar.org. There you'll be able to find our statement of faith, as well as more about the ministry of Bethlehem Community Church. You'll also be able to submit prayer requests as we are called to pray with and for you. We also would love to hear your story and how you found our podcast and where you're listening from. So please visit our website and send us an email. Again, it's bccdelmar.org. That's bccdelmar.org. Thank you for joining us as we continue our pursuit of knowing God and making Him known.